Hello again and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod with me, Johnny Hammond, and England's World Cup winning centre, Rachel Burford. It's a hello from me as well and what a treat we're in for, another all-star studded show as we head into December. So Johnny, what's on our advent calendar for the WRP this week? Wouldn't you like to know? Well, I'll tell you, Berth. We look back <laughs> at a historic day for the women's game, the first meeting between the Barbarians and Wales at the Principality Stadium. Yes, the Barbars coach, Joe Yap, joins us and her impression on a truly remarkable weekend not just for the bar bars in Cardiff but also clubside Worcester Yes as always we get to grips with all the latest domestic news as the Tyrrell's Premier 15 season returned last weekend And our second special guest this week is Richmond's Ellie Boatman and she'll give us the rundown of what's happening at Richmond as well as now her life in the south of London So that's all on the way but we start with the uh, the weekend's news berth Let's let's start with you back out on the, on the field after the uh, the international break. Enjoy the game, enjoy your weekend. Yeah, I did actually. I was, um, even though I was named at 13, I played 12, which was great. Um, yeah, my first 80 minutes in a Ooh, very long time. Very long time. And I did feel a little bit ropey on Sunday, but not too bad. So yeah, really pleased. Yeah, so did I, but for very, very different reasons. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I did some uh, MCing at a, a great dinner my uh, my old childhood club. Waybridge Vandals did a Q&A with Dick Best down there on Friday night, uh, or Friday afternoon, I should say. Absolutely great fun. And then did, did the uh, the Wasps Saris streaming game. So uh, all good fun. But let's uh, let's get up to date with uh, some international news. Then next summer, some exciting tests ahead. Yeah, a really exciting time for both the Black Ferns and Australia. First time they'll be playing a double header on home soil in Australia on the 18th of August 2020 um, before the men play in the Bledisloe Cup. Absolutely, and uh, announced last week as well, Army and Navy alongside the men. It's 100 years of uh, inter-service rugby championship and the women will take their debut on the hallowed turf. Uh, back over to the uh, Southern Hemisphere, Oceania tournament. It was uh, New Zealand's development side that uh, took that title beating Papua New Guinea, Fiji and Australia. A, Fiji. I was yes. with Chris Cracknell as, uh, over oh. the weekend as well, actually, the old Fiji Fitting. women's coach. Uh, they qualified for their first ever World Cup. Um, so they'll be in New Zealand 2021. Yeah, looking forward to that, watching them on that stage. Yeah, they'll be uh, an exciting prospect. And that's, of course, after a couple of weeks after they um, qualified for the Tokyo Olympics as well. So quite a, quite a few weeks for... For the Islanders, uh, Hong Kong won their first ever game in Europe by beating uh, the Netherlands in Amsterdam, fourteen twelve. Uh, and staying in Europe, the European Trophy, the uh, Czech women have had a remarkable second title in a row. It's been some year for them as they finished twenty nineteen unbeaten. Good bit of uh, news on that one. A good story on that one on scrumqueens.com, So do check that out. And then, of course, over in Wales, the the Barbarians game played before the men. From all accounts, a huge success. Yeah, um, obviously a historical win for the Barbars, um, which I know that every single one of those players would be really proud of. Um, but yeah, over 12,000 people watching. So again, we talked Damn before it. about playing before or after the men, what's right. Well, I don't see 12,000 people always staying after a game. So maybe this is the right route for it. Um, but yeah, re- remarkable weekend. I'm really looking forward to chatting to Joe about her experience. Yeah, hundred percent. Just picking up on your point, I, I couldn't. I, I don't. Think there's no logical reason why you wouldn't play before, and it's the way to do it. It was done pre Lions down in New Zealand, as you said at the weekend. It, it proves outside of the men wanting to warm up on a full pitch. Well, do you know what? 
swallow it for the greater good of the game. Women need to play first, double headers, women and then the men. It works, it clearly works, the proof is in the pudding. Yes, and luckily enough now we can hear from Joe. Let's get right into the inner sanctum of that historic game at the Principality Stadium at the weekend. Joe, how are you feeling? What a monumental weekend on a personal level. Yeah, no, it's been an amazing weekend. Someone said to me yesterday if Carlsberg did weekends <laughs> rugby. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been an amazing weekend. Um, and to top it off yesterday, like with the girls kind of getting their first win of the season. Yeah, it was awesome. So if we may just touch on the on the Wales Barbarian bits and pieces first, uh, before we go to, to, to Worcester, how was the week for you uh, in, the, uh, in the famous white and black hoops? Oh, it was an amazing week. Like, such an honour uh, to be asked to go in and coach. I, like, it kind of came too late for me as a player. Um, so to get asked to go in as a coach was, was awesome. And to have that level of, of talent and experience and, you know, kind of household names in the room with you and to be coaching them. Um, but the players were just brilliant. Like, they were so grounded and so open. Um, it was just an absolute pleasure to work with and also to work alongside, like, Rachel Taylor, who I, I'd never actually met before, uh, getting involved with the Bar Bars. Um, she was fantastic as well, and the two of us just coaching together. It was really enjoyable. We well, talk about Rachel there, working with her for the first time. So, Joe, you've done loads of coaching. We said that at the, at the top there. So, what what did you bring to that Barbar's role to to smash that ice, not only with players but with, with coaches as well, to to pull out the first performance? Yeah, especially the first half performance that you did. What were your secrets? Um, I think the key thing is is just trying to get them. Um together off field so like the first thing we did when we got into camp was we 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 asked players beforehand to do some homework and to sort of fill their shirt if you like with what got them to this point and what was important to them and the first thing we did was share that collectively as staff and players um and it was so powerful because people were so open about their journeys in rugby and and kind of how they felt about being there and and straight away that broke the ice and then and then obviously that first Monday night kind of having a few drinks with the girls and staff and and just everyone just getting to know each other and then on the Tuesday we'd agreed that instead of doing like an extra rugby session we'd do a team building session because the actual bringing the bringing players and staff together is it's massively key in a, in a week like that so we went and we did some raft building and paddleboarding and yeah it was it was that was the sort of key things really can you give us um an insight I saw some pictures flying around social media with um players socks and how does that all work? Because obviously you wear one barbarian sock, but did you do something slightly different with the other sock this time? Um, it was kind of players' choices in terms of what they wore. So some players decided they wanted to represent all of their clubs, so they bought their own sort of plain socks and, and wrote down on the back of their, like, exactly um, all the clubs that had sort of got them to this point rather than just sort of nominating one club. And that was sort of what the players had sort of, cho- you know, some individual players had chosen to do. And in terms of the actual match day, obviously there was a record crowd of 12,643. Like, what was that atmosphere? What did it feel like playing at the Principality? Oh, it's just amazing. Like, the whole day, like, they really looked after us. Uh, you know, the Barbarians looked after us and the WRU really looked after us. Um, it was sort of so equal to the men. Um, so just to run out there was just 
was absolutely fantastic because you know the the smoke and the flames and and everything and then also like both my kids were mascots um which was which was really special (laughs) so they were they were kitted out in full barbarians kit and and got to run out with Steph and Clara um which for me I've got to be honest I think I had something in my eye at the time (laughs) when they ran out so that was really special all I was going to ask was Joe was actually just just a slightly wider point of if you're doing a double header. I know uh, El El Snowsill's spoken about this uh, length this week as well. Just how important is that for the development of the women's game to to do to be put on equal footing as it quite rightly should be. I think it's really important for the you know for everyone and the and the girls in particular like they feel really valued and and everything we did that week with the with the barbarians were, was equal um and it just just really lifts the girls and makes them like I say just feel really valued for all the work they put in great stuff if we can uh, move to to club oh, well, no, what I was going to say with the uh, the celebrations as special as the actual game itself well, they know how to celebrate, don't they, in style, the Barbars? <laughs> <laughs> they certainly, um, they certainly brought, um, brought in the celebrations and enjoyed enjoyed the whole week. <laughs> but I guess you weren't able to, to, to celebrate quite as, as well as you possibly would have done because you had the Sunday and, and a big day at, at Six Ways. Yeah, no, I um, yeah, I kind of left them to it um, a little bit on Saturday evening because um, I knew Sunday was going to be such a big day for us. And a big, a big day, big day for the club, not only on the field yeah. but, but off the field as well. You were yeah. big, big old family day and what have you in, in awareness of the sepsis uh, charity. Yeah, it was a, is it a massive day for the club and and like really it was a it was such a huge club effort as well. Everyone got behind the day and one of the things we really want to do is like build on that day because um, it's so important that we start to increase the crowds and the support that comes to games so this was a bit of a, a catalyst really for looking at further further support and um, why why joe when that when that worcester job came up why what attracted you to to apply um worcester's like has always been my club i played all my senior club rugby at Worcester so it it was a very you know it's a very special part of my my life um I had like 15 years playing here and initially obviously I was involved in the under 20s and I I didn't I wasn't kind of looking at being involved um at, at club level at that point and but this opportunity came up um and I got asked about it and and I think just just seeing having been involved here a little bit and seeing how forward thinking the club were in terms of supporting the women's game it just it was just yeah I, I wanted to be part of it and there was such a good a good team here already um a staff team and and players that I was just like yeah uh, this is really really exciting time I mean you're definitely a perfect fit for the club with all all of your history that is there and obviously things are starting to settle now with the result at the weekend I mean how are the girls feeling they must be absolutely buzzing Yeah they were they they so deserved the result yesterday like it, the the break came at a really good time for us I've been in post two weeks done two games but actually to then um 
have that five week gap um, to to really sort of spend some more time with the players and sort of get our ideas across as a coaching as a coaching team was was massive. Um, so all the work we've put in, we, we knew that we, we had it, the players had it in them to get the result, but obviously they've had a, had a tough run and for sort of over the last two and a half years really, and it's getting that belief back that they can, um, you know, that they can win and, and that's, that's the key thing right now is just getting the belief back in the players. And do you think that's, that's one of the things that has been key to the changes and the development there? I mean, you talked about with Barbara doing the history about your journey people understanding what that club means to each other do you reckon that's yeah. been a big difference yeah like I think it's just really important that you get players that want to play for the club um and yeah we got sort of Marty Halford and Jilly and some of the like founder members to come in and talk to them about where the club started um and like the work that's gone into getting to the club to this point and that's really important for players to understand that it's you know the players come in now and they've got a huge amount of support from the club they get you know all their SNC and all their nutrition and everything that goes with being part of the Warriors now but it wasn't like that before and a lot of people in the past put a lot of work in to get get this club to where it is and it's important that they they understand that and it kind of makes them feel proud to go out and represent Worcester so, Joe, do you think that uh, that, that result at the, at the weekend is, is now a bit of a bit of a springboard for you? You've got uh, a little trip up to to Loughborough uh, yeah. next weekend. Can, can that act as a real springboard for you this this season? Yeah, like we said yesterday, and um, like we, we're fortunate to have people like Laura Keats, and you know she said straight away that this isn't a highlight. This can't be a highlight for us. It has to be um, another step moving forward. Like we we know that Loughborough is going to be tough next week, but we've got key games that we need to target, and we can't just go and celebrate one win um, at home. It, it has to be just part of the process of us continuing to move forward. We're still trying to implement lots of stuff behind the scenes to make things. Um, better for the players um so yeah this is just sort of sort of the start really i've got a question do you still carry your boots just in case (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no (laughs) (laughs) you should you definitely could still run around (laughs) joe what i was gonna say was obviously new new owners at the club just how supportive i mean obviously um, fortunately slash unfortunately I get to spend lots of time with birth week in week out doing this uh, doing this pod and, and obviously we, I hear a lot about Harlequins and you, you see from the outside the developments that Harlequins are, are making and sort of spearheading that effort is it in that vein that Worcester want to follow so to almost replicate the owners took over sort of last season um, and they very much sort of looked at the women's game when we want to fully support this as well and um and I've got to be honest, they, they, they are, like, they've been brilliant. Um, I came in with my ideas of what was required to, to for the club to move forward in terms of kind of the staffing and the support and the S&C and the medical and that kind of stuff. And they were, like, they fully backed that. Um, and we're now getting sort of full-time people in post to support the girls girls properly. Um, and the club have been brilliant. And, you know, the owners have been great and also like the rest of the club are now really backing us like the commercial the media um you know they they see it very much as as supporting you know the three teams that are, that are here the academy ourselves and and the men and um yeah they're definitely 
definitely keen to keep pushing us forward so um, they've been they've been really great I think that's such an important point that Yappy's just made there about that you've been involved in those decisions I think for so long um what's happened historically is this clubs make decisions on the women's game when they they're not fully informed so I think you know, there's such a, a forward thinking in ways and having you involved and listening to your ideas and bringing it along and yeah I've said it before Worcester are on the up and especially with you in post now they're definitely gonna accelerate that movement yeah they've just been so open to it they've been open to us feeding back and especially like we've got Mike Hall in place with the academy um and he is been so supportive of the women's game as well and you know and helping me since I've come in post to to get things kind of moving because like it's very much about integrating us back into the club in terms of like on a daily basis because we need to have girls in here training um more regularly um and giving them an opportunity to have like a full-time program and and you know people are like that are so important um in terms of us uh, us developing Joe obviously this season we have Sort of relegation inverted commas. Is that spoken about? Um, do you speak about that with your management team? Do, does that worry you? Does that put an extra pressure on you? Yeah, like we're fully aware that we're in a position where we potentially have to sort of retender, if you like, at the end of the season, if, if not making the top six. But like all we can do is 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 control what we can control and we just need to ensure that the club are in the best possible place uh when that happens to you know and i know the results haven't kind of gone our way previously um and that's something you know we we can control to a certain extent but to a certain extent we can't but what we can control is all the off-field stuff and if we can get everything in the right place to ensure that when it comes to that that we're in a good position that's all we can do and and right now the club are doing that we i've just met now with a with our snc who's starting full-time as of as of today and we've got a full-time medic starting and uh we've got we've got great people already in place um that were already at the club and, and our manager Josh who does a great job behind the scenes and Sean who was previously here and, and they're everyone sort of pulling in the right direction and that's all we can do is make sure we're in the best possible position when it comes to those decisions. I personally think the best facility that you've got there is the dog crash. <laughs> so it, apparently there was an option that was put around to the, the senior men's team do you want a kids crash or a dog's crash and they went for a dog's crash yeah they do and it is yeah they do and they do use a sound use with a <laughs> with a new dog so yeah yeah it's quite a popular thing that's extraordinary Joe we're going to we, we'll finish up there just thank you so much for joining us uh, and giving us a little insight into what was, yeah, as you say, uh, an unbelievable weekend uh, for you personally. Uh, thanks for joining us. Best of luck with the rest of the season in Loughborough um, and go get some sleep. Brilliant. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, Joe. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm Pure Bevan and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Great individual there, Berth. You have known her. Oh, she was your captain. What, in, uh, in Edmonton, uh, sorry, Edmonton in Canada, 2006? Yeah. Uh, what does she bring to the tracksuit? Oh, um, yeah, she was my first captain and, and probably one of the best captains that I've ever played under. Why? Just um, her approach, very calm, collective, very knowledgeable, um, can recognise when things aren't quite clicking and going right and has a way of bringing people together without being in a dictatorship or, you know acting in any other way than just being a caring individual herself which 
yeah, for me, she was one of the, the best captains to, to play um, under and alongside. Also played a lot of sevens with her, which was incredible. She's such a, such a good player. And she actually played for Samurai um, not that long ago in an invitational tournament. So her saying that she wouldn't be able to get back out there, I don't believe it. Um, but yeah, 2009 was a big year for us in terms of the sevens um, where she was captain. But fortunately, um, she picked up a, a really serious injury that ruled her out from the start of the the 2009 World Cup when we were in Dubai but she literally took herself off dealt with it and came back in and just led the side off the pitch to her best ability and that kind of sums up the type of individual that she is it's not about her it's about everybody around her yeah and, and clearly Worcester new owners plenty of ambition plenty, plenty of wide scope thinking in, in terms of as Joe was saying they're putting, putting all the women's stuff on par with the men and a great lady at the helm we, we know her, her traditions not only at the club but but it, in the world of women's rugby that is head of a result 15-12 over Bristol yeah I mean look Bristol have been performing really well um, over the season so we've been kind of keeping an eye on them and saying Kim Oliver's work's starting to come out especially when they've got some injuries but for them to get that win on the weekend as well that meant so much to them with the sepsis charity that they were supporting um, is brilliant for the team I spoke to Kim Oliver you know, she she's missing a lot of players but at the same time she said that they played really well they defended desperately um, and ultimately that's what why they won that game and so I'm really I, you know, I'm really pleased for Worcester to get that result um, you know they've had a bit of a, a, a tough time um, and for you know I want to see Joe Yap do well at the club and, and you can clearly see that her work is, is slowly coming out Great so we we'll move on to your game then Yes our game against Waterloo 81-0 Nice yeah. uh, Do we need to drill down into it any further? Um, yeah look I think they had a couple of players missing they also couldn't field out their second team because they had a couple of girls go off and play in the bar bars which is a shame for our second team um, but yeah it, we were very clinical at times but still we had lots to work on um, look mate no you know Waterloo came at us 100% and I, my ribs felt it a lot of the time um, so it was, a, it was a brave effort by them but I think we've ju- we just had too much too much to um for them really um, one of the highlights was um, walking down the changing room corridor and obviously you turn off to your change room and the opposition turn off to their change room and I see an old friend of mine Latoya Mason walking down asking for the captain because she needs to do the toss and n- none of us knew that she was refing our game it was her first one and um, she's been yeah. doing a lot of boys rugby um, mainly up in north um, but she was brilliant she was so good so clear so concise so direct allowed players to talk to her um, I think her playing nine, obviously, she knows what it's like on the other side. So, yeah, like I think Latoya's going to have a really good future in, in the referee game. Yeah, because Latoya Mason, Red Roses, 2014 World Cup winner, now with a with a, in possession of, of the P. How weird was that? Um, Did you struggle to, because obviously you're in that leadership group for Queens, was that a struggle to, or, or were the sort of the boundaries set fairly clearly and, and easily for you both? I think... I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I think because I knew her, I almost was like I had even more respect for the referee and I didn't want to challenge it um, because I knew of her depth and her knowledge. And whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But from the off, um, she was very, you know, stamped her authority and that's all that you need. You know, there was no questions, no um, 
you know, you can get a little bit narco referees, but I genuinely don't feel like there was any of that. And that could be part of the result. You know, 81-0, very one-sided. So, you know, there wasn't many tough decisions for her to make, potentially. Um, but all in all, no, I was really impressed with her. And at halftime, I had a little Google saying, you had a good half. And she's like covered up her mic saying, stop it. I'm on, I'm being recorded. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was really good to see her out there running around um, just in a different in a different way. Obviously, with this weekend being Dubai and um, Winniatta yeah. making her debut in seven. So you're seeing that transition of some players going into the referee role, which is great. Yeah, 100%. You talk about something authority on the game. I was at uh, Twyford Avenue doing the, the the live stream was against Saracens um, and I wish the referee who I have to say in in-game I, I was complimenting him because uh, his his communication with players was, was, was superb um, but actually when it came to it there was a lot of penalties huge amount of penalties especially at the breakdown um, and players ultimately will will get away with what they can get away with. And when you have some very very savvy back growers uh, <laughs> like Claire Malloy, um, Bobby and Bobby Cleal, and Marley Packer, and Vicky Fleetwood, <laughs> uh, these kind of players, you're going to get away with what you can. And actually, it made it for a really stop started game. And it was a, it was a shame because there was some it was some real quality from both sides on display. Uh, but in the end, so as you won the pressure. Um, rather like they have done before against uh, Loughborough and Gloucester as well, just hit the power button and they just had too much for uh, for Watson at the end, who yeah will, will be annoyed uh, they didn't come away with, with anything from the game. Finished up 21-32. Gloucester, big old score that against DMP, isn't it? Yeah, 60 points to 12. Um, yeah, really good score for them being away. Um you know, after the the break to come in, DMP will probably be a little bit disappointed with that. But I think you know, Mohan and Zoe Allcroft are, are both back to full fitness now, um, playing week in week out, which has given them obviously the strength to to bolster that scoreline. And Richmond going down thirty four points to nil against Loughborough Lightning. Yeah, I probably um, I'm probably most impressed with this result as well as the Worcester Bristol game because you know, if you, let's rewind back to the start of the season where. It was 101 nil against Richmond, and now they're clawing it back against the team you know who, who's fourth last year into the semi-finals. Got so much strength and depth to to come away with 34 points. I know that's still a, it's still a reasonable loss, but that's pretty remarkable considering the side that they're up against. So it looks like Richmond are on the ump. 100. percent Well, let's get a, a focus now into that game with uh, one of their star players. Delighted to say that uh, Richmond's Ellie Boatman is on the line. Good morning to you, Ellie. Good morning. Thank you for having me on the podcast today. Don't be silly. Good afternoon, in fact. How are you? Uh, you're, you're at work. What's the What's the day job for you? Um, so at the moment, I work at a sports store company called Edwin Doran um, over in Hampton. So that's what keeps me busy um, 9 till 5, Monday to Friday. Oh, very good. And you enjoy London London life down, down the southern part of London, should we say? Yeah, exactly. It's not quite central, so um, I'm still living at home in Surrey, so I kind of have that nice balance, I guess, between London and Surrey. Oh, very nice. I mean, because you were playing up in North London, weren't you? You're up at you're up at Surrey's. Can we can we ask you first up why why the change? Last year I was living up in um, North London, so kind of my closest club then was really Surrey's, um, and then I decided really to move home. Um, back in with my parents in Surrey, meaning my two closest clubs really were going to be Richmond or Harlequins. 
Um, and Richmond has sort of always been on my radar. Uh, my dad actually played at Richmond quite a few years ago. Um, so I decided to get in contact with Mike Panahoe, our head coach. And I really liked what he sort of envisioned for the season um, and saw an opportunity at Richmond, really. So that's why I decided to move there. How did you get into rugby? Was it purely because it ran in the family, like you're talking about dad there? Yeah, it, um, it very much is within the family. I was sort of, I guess, born into rugby. I started at four years old. Um, was going along to Camberley Rugby Club to watch my brother at four years old and got bored of watching him. So decided I wanted to take up rugby. And um, actually on his team was Alex Matthews. Um, so I saw her playing every week with my brother and I really wanted to get involved. So that's why I started playing at that age. Um, and then sort of moved up the age groups. Um, stopped for a few years before university and got back into it at university and decided I want to give a go of it, so moved up to the Premiership. And also, we know that you play a little bit of sevens. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, me and my dad are very much involved with the wooden spoon orders, so that keeps us busy in summer. My dad runs the men's and the women's section, so um, yeah, sevens is a big love of mine and probably why I kept in the game. Um, and last year, went out to Dubai and Barbados for a two-week tour, and then played all over summer in Amsterdam um, and various tournaments. <laughs> so I very much enjoy sevens as well as fifteens. It sounds sounds terrible. Those trips over uh, overseas, really, really tough trips. I'm sure to yeah. Barbados and Dubai. Are you uh, are you over to Dubai next week? No, this so week I yet. was actually picked to go this year, but um, with with Richmond and the 15s this year, I just decided that I needed to focus on that this year um, and stay with the team because it does take you completely out of training um, and games. So uh, my commitment was towards Richmond this year. How did you tell your dad that you weren't going? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he did actually come out to watch in Barbados last year so I think they thought oh it's one less holiday and <laughs> <laughs> um, so looking at Richmond then obviously if we look back over the last few weeks right yes. at the start of the season big big deficit in terms of 101 nil but yeah. every week um you're seeing the score lines go down maybe not the wins that you're looking for but you're definitely yeah. going in the right direction if you just look at um, the last few fixtures, 26-5, 26-18. Um, so you're getting on the scoreboards and you're also reducing those scores. Like what, what's been the change? What's been the shift? Like, Is there a mentality difference as well going on there? Yeah, I think, to be honest, at the start of the season, like, I was new coming in um, and there was a really new group of girls at Richmond just with various people moving and various people coming in. So we're still very much bonding as a team and getting to know how each other play. Um, in this in this first half of the season, so I think really things are just starting to click a bit more. And as we get into more training sessions together, and we start analysing what's going wrong, it's kind of capitalising on that and um, you know writing the wrongs from the weeks before. And we don't want to be a team that has those 101 nails against Harlequins. We want to compete in the league, so um, we really had to look at ourselves and how we were performing, and obviously trying to get back on the scoreboard um, in future fixtures. And so you you talk there about you know you want to be competitive and and you want to yeah. be scoring tries and things like that. I mean we're we're coming up to you know nearly halfway through the season. Where what is your ambitions for this year? You know you talk about being a new side that takes time to develop. Where yeah, you, what where are you looking to kind of finish this year to rebuild and to look to next year? So what's kind of on the ambition? Yeah, the ambitions because I think we're currently lying in eighth. Um, so for us 
aiming for that top six is is ambitious, but it's something we believe achievable, um, and we really want to stay in the Premiership for for next year. So coming in that top six is something that's really important for us. So we know it's going to be a really big second half of the season, and we need to make some upsets and and get some wins and scores. So that would be our ambition really going forward. And do you have certain games that you're potentially targeting? Yeah, so I mean, next week for us it's Waterloo away. Um, so we've we've come out of the fixture at the weekend, and we're trying to be as positive as we can be. Um, and it's a big week for us in terms of training. Uh, we want to get some really good training sessions under our belt this week, so we can go into Saturday and feel really confident, and hopefully come away with a really positive win. I mean, you talk there about confidence. I'm really interested yeah. in in your in your change room in your environment. I mean, you yes. did lose at the weekend, thirty four nil. But when you look at the opposition. Do you come away with that feeling very confident in terms of what that scoreline was? It was actually surprisingly um, positive in the changing room. I think perhaps some people probably wouldn't understand why we were positive, but things that went right hadn't been going right for us before. Um, and to compete against a team like Loughborough, when you look back in September, that probably didn't seem very achievable. Um, so we, we were positive coming out of it, um, and it was frustrating things like the scrums were going wrong and penalties were being conceded but actually looking back at the footage we were pressurising them in areas and if we can do that with the top four teams it's going to make our season a hell of a lot easier. Yeah absolutely and I think you know as I said the results aren't necessarily wins but you're definitely seeing gaps closing and and obviously that with momentum like that definitely helps you move in through the season. Yeah definitely I think um, it's hard I think when you're a team that have come off some losses to actually regroup and and dig deep and have to go into the training sessions and be as positive as you can be um that is something that's quite hard for a team so we just have to stay as positive as we can coming into the second half and realize that we are improving and still quite a new group um so as you mentioned yeah they're not wins at the moment but they are definitely improvements from before anyway finally we're just because i've got to let you get back to work some some of you have proper jobs, not like Berth and I. Um, but what, what I was going to ask you was, was Richmond, we, we know they do more than probably anyone else do double headers. They really pride themselves on, on, on one club. How have you find, found that aspect of, uh, of the Richmond club? Yeah, I think coming from a club like Saracens, um, basically with Richmond, it's a bit more of a sort of family atmosphere compared to what I had at Saracens. Um, so... The double headers have been quite key, I think, with the sort of advertising around with with the Richmond family. So I think that has been quite enjoyable just to see that aspect of the women really being involved with the men. Um, which, again, like with Saracens, the women are a big standing point for them. Um, but it, yeah, it's been quite nice, I think, just to be involved in that family aspect. And for you personally, do you have a aspirations to, to move from sort of club into to country? Uh, on, on a personal like point of view, I think you'd be lying as a rugby player if you said you didn't want to play for your country. Um, <laughs> I am 22 years old, so I, I still have time, I guess, to, to make those bigger moves. But for me right now, uh, it's my first proper season playing week in, week out in the first team um, at that premiership level. So, I think sort of baby steps. I, I would love to eventually, but um, just developing myself so that I can be playing at this standard is what's important to me at the moment. 
Absolutely. Well, Ellie, keep making those breaks. Keep scoring those tries. Uh, it's been really, really good to chat to you and, and get a bit of insight to Richmond. And all the best for for Waterloo and, uh, and for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Thanks, Ellie. Pleasure. Take Thanks. care. Bye. I'm Katie Dealing McLean, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Podcast. Well, great to have Ellie on the pod. What a polite young lady. And spoke very, very well and very clearly about uh, life at Richmond. Clearly things on the up, beginning to sort of gel together. Um, But that is a massive game this weekend, isn't it, for them? Absolutely huge. Yeah, and as Ellie said there, you know, they're targeting games. And this will certainly be one of them that they're going to go after um, to to get a bonus point, I would have thought so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bristol, Gloucester Hartbury, little local derby can... Bristol have some bounce back ability. Yeah, it's always a bit of a ding dong that one. Um, look, I think Bristol will want to get a good response on the back of their loss this weekend. Kim Oliver will have um, a lot of her starting players return on the back of playing for Wales and in the Barbars. So, yeah, it's going to be a good game that one. And uh, Worcester up to up to Lightning, Joe. So she, yeah, it's uh, straight back into down to earth with a bump, really. Yeah, I think what she said really nicely put by Laura Keats was like, let's not just stop stop here and think this is our highlight let's keep progressing and they'll certainly want to go there and put on the best performance that they can Sarri's host DMP this weekend and you're away at Wasps pretty decent games for both of you those yeah obviously Wasps played this weekend against um, Saracens and we could see how much of a quality outfit they were so it's going to be a good prep for us leading into that Saracens game um, and then probably for Saracens for on the back of them playing Wasps have some probably sore and battered bodies so for them to play against DMP is probably you know a good game leading into to the big game against us. Before we sign off this week our thanks to our guest Joe. yeah what a weekend she had. Uh, Ellie Boatman our producer Jez. And don't forget, we've got two competitions that we're running at the moment. Those tickets for our game against Saracens on the 14th of December. All you've got to do is follow us. Tell us why you want to come along. And the Barbarian Stash, of course, as well. Again, follow us on Twitter and tell us your rugby journey. Or indeed, on Instagram. Yes, we are now on Instagram. So you can subscribe and rate our pod on all the podcast outlets. Follow us on Twitter and now we have Instagram and we have a secret person running it. We do have a secret person running it. What's the handle then? That might be useful. It's at Pod Women's Rugby. Same as our Twitter account. Same as our Twitter. See what we've done there. Anyway, join me next time as you berth a sunning yourself in Dubai. That's right. I'm out there working for Cap Gemini and I'm hopefully going to do some reporting on some of the players whilst I'm there. Our special guest next week ahead of that huge game of the Tyrrells Premier 15s. Alex Austerbury from Saracens and Gary Street from Harlequins. And of course, we reflect on all the latest news from the Tyrrells Premier 15. And remember, whatever you're doing to support the women's game, wherever you are, keep it up. Until next time. <laughs>